I'm Dr. Pamela, and on the first half of today's show, I will be joined by Andrew Snorton, and we're going to be discussing Black Lives Matter, and we're going to be looking at this from a variety of different angles. He is very much involved in the community, and um, we're going to be at the movement, how it's been publicized, how it's been supported, um, how it's been, um, you know, ostracized, you know, in ways in which people are um, actually um, anti-Black Lives Matter. So today, our guest and I will discuss the foundation of the movement, the role the media plays, and the importance of a variety of voices, the importance of our voice. In, in supporting Black Lives Matter, and also how important it is for us to have the support of other voices in this movement. There's just so much at stake, um, and at the same time, this is uh, probably the most fertile time in our recent history to to really continue to push for change and, and to make a difference, because there are so many ways in which um, Black lives are jeopardized, are continued to be, um, you know, oppressed in so many different ways. Yes, there's so many ways that we're making it. There are so many ways that we're rising and thriving, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing that needs to be done about our system of oppression here in America. So we're going to be talking about that today, and I am looking forward to the conversation. In the second hour, we're going to have an actor joining us to talk about Black Lives Matter as it pertains to the media and entertainment. So, so much to talk about. I look forward to having you involved in this conversation. Stay with us, and we'll be right back on the live exchange. And today we are looking at Black Lives Matter. We're looking at it as a movement. We're going to look at it as an organization. We're going to look at it as a concept. We're going to look at all the ways that it's, um, you know, being used in positive and negative ways um, in our society today. And so today I am being joined or I am joined by um, a guest, Andrew Snorton. And I just want to introduce him to you. Um, Andrew is an author and owner of Creative Com Community Services. He's a board member of the LEAD Foundation, which is in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And he serves as a key program uh, program management role, including college tours, male mentoring, leadership development, and other um, such programs for middle and high school students. He's a board member of Food Festival Atlanta, the Father's Day event providing support for multiple community organizations. Um, and he's also an author of the 2019 Top 1000 Books, um, Deeper Than Your Deepest Sleep, Thoughts on Love with Joseph Snorton. So it'll be interesting to get some thoughts on love here. Uh, Nine Stories of Faith and um, uh, a whole other host of, of works that we're going to let him talk to us about. So without further ado, and there's also a mixtape audio book. So yeah, we're going to talk about all this. So without further ado, um, let me welcome Andrew Snorton. Hello there, Andrew. How are you? Can we hear him? Can we hear him? <laughs> hey, good, good, good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. Yes, no problem. Hey, good morning. Good morning again. Thank you so good much. Good morning. Absolutely. I think I you're connected. Can you guys hear me okay? Yes. You're, well, your connection is a little off. We're, we'll see how this goes for, you know, so... Let's let's see how this. I know we had a storm today, um, last night, and so it's kind of thrown off all of the Wi-Fi. So uh, let's let's uh, see how this is going to work. So Andrew, are you able to hear me well? All right. We can see we can see you moving. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Hearing you a little bit better. 
Okay, good. Good, good, good. All right. So um, I have to start with the end, the last thing I mentioned, which is a mixtape, an audiobook mixtape. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea behind the author's mixtape was working with the um, my partner's third level entertainment and Candace Major Digital. And the whole concept was a number of people are familiar with the mixtape idea for music where you have a track and you're basically freestyling what we were able to do is we basically did a freestyle audiobook so when we went into the studio we actually did all the writing and recording in studio audiobook true story what we did is the the owner's daughters who were in middle school at the time wrote down 20 random topics we pulled them out of a hat one at a time and and we basically just built off of those. So the first wow. edition is really based off the mind of a middle school air, what gives you peace. That's really impressive. And that goes beyond just you know generational pieces. The second audiobook actually ended up being an eight-track piece, and it delved a little bit deeper into different social issues, things along those lines. And probably my favorite track on that. Is called the Noser Tribe, and, and it's a play off of um, the general was basically mocking one of the black soldiers, saying he was from the Motisa tribe. Motisa tribe. We basically did our voice to make it sound like the person was ill-informed and not that quote aware. And it was playing off of that idea, don't judge a book by its cover, because when you listen to the question and answer and response, the person really knows what they're talking about. And then the third wow. edition, uh, which just came out earlier this spring, which is a nine-track piece, we went a little bit deeper on things related to voting, The like I said, health, self-image, self-definition, and we did the, a playoff of it called the Yes Sir Tribe. So, of course, all the questions early on are questions that you would answer affirmly, affirmatively, like, yes, you believe that Black Lives Matter. Yes, that you believe in self-definition, self-worth. And then the last question is something that you know you wouldn't answer yes to. So we reverted back to how we did the um, NOSA tribe to throw that in there. Uh, but it was just more experimental. And and again, like, a, just having fun, just having fun. Wow. And, and um, you know, I'm just appreciative of being able to, yeah, just being able to tap into something more, experimental more creative and just more organic just to come out and and that helps with other areas too i love that i love that because you know there's there's so much potential right now in the audiobook world and especially what's going on right now with the political movement with the civil rights um our own revolution that's going on nowadays what a great medium to be able to get this you know get the voice out get the word out um so i absolutely love that i'm gonna have to delve into that a little more deeply um you know just on my own time because i'm interested <laughs> so i'm curious to know um when you, you know you mentioned the black lives matter movement and i'm curious to know what your take of the black lives matter movement is because there's so many different perspectives out there i i think my my take on it, and especially looking at this year, I think number one, it's just reaffirming the humanity of Black people. Let's just start there. Regardless yeah. of people's take, it's right. about reaffirmation of 
of the humanity of black people. And not only just in this country, but globally. But when we look at this country and when you look at historically Mm -hmm. where there have been serious disconnects and historical disconnects in 1619, you have to say, hey, look, there are things we have to do differently and better to maintain our humanity and respect our humanity. Beautifully said. I, I, when we come back, we're going to get into trending topics, but I want to pay back on this whole idea of humanity that you're talking about, because I think that is what gets lost in this conversation about Black Lives Matter is the humanity of Black people, which is really essence and the core of what this movement is about. So stay with us, everyone. We are going to come back and continue this conversation. Join us on Facebook Live if you'd like to add to the conversation, and we will be right back. that he had a knife uh, in his possession and he was brandishing it and uh, waving it erratically. All right, welcome back to live um, um, Dr. Pamela. And um, that was, I, I, I didn't expect to see that. My, <laughs> I'm a little thrown off, but yeah, that, that, but it's another, another unfortunate innocent um, black man being shot by the police. And it just seems that these things come up um, way too frequently. So this was a scene of Philadelphia police shot and killed, um, them shooting and killing a 27 year old black man, waving a knife on Monday afternoon um, as his mother watched. Um, Protests in the city have raged in Philadelphia um, since this shooting. Um, His name was Walter Wallace Jr. And this was captured on cell phone video, as we saw. Um, And it's just the latest instance of police officers using violence against Black people, um, as reported by CNN. Um, And this is, you know, following police violence in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Kenosha, Wisconsin, Louisville, Kentucky. Um, And as in every single one of those previous cases, um, frustrated, angry residents have taken to the streets to express their rage and um and just you know so it's <laughs> um quite upsetting as you can tell i'm i'm a little shaken just by even even witnessing the video every time one of those videos come on when i am watching tv i actually literally turn it off because i i just don't want to see it the last time i was you know i i watched the actual killing of a black man was philando castile and uh, i didn't know what i was watching it was streaming live on social media, and um, after that, I, I made it a point to never, never watch it, watch again because it's just um, it's traumatizing. Um, Andrew, I, I would love to hear your your thoughts on this on this latest um, situation. Monday, it took me back to being in high school, uh, growing up in New Jersey, and the Eleanor Bumpers case. Um, Basically, it was almost a parallel experience. Eleanor Bumpers was someone who had mental illness. The law enforcement officials knew this from patrolling that area. So when they raided her apartment and she lunged at them with a butter knife, 
Um, mm. We know what the outcome was, and it wasn't pleasant at all. I think yeah. part of what has to come down is the concept of qualified immunity. And what that basically states is it's embedded that whenever law enforcement has this type of egregious act, especially when we look at the numbers of the killing of unarmed citizens, but not only that with what happened here with dealing with mental health cases, kids with autism, we've seen videos where a person who's autistic, because of the way you have to clearly communicate with them, they're not equipped for that. So when you look at these disconnects and look at the disproportionate numbers of black and brown people, with what we saw this past Monday, with what we've seen with George Floyd, what we've seen with Breonna Taylor, and we can go on and on, known and unknown, the biggest domino that has to fall is legally getting rid of this doctrine of qualified immunity. When that domino falls, you put other measures in place that people are talking about from improved education, like the educational where, uh, you know, with being whatever, at least um, a two-year degree, when you're looking at improved training, looking at improved certification beyond just being able to know how to shoot and knowing that when these types of things happen, instead of it being about a 5% chance or less of being indicted, and just because you're indicted doesn't mean it's going to go to trial, That's the domino that has to fall. We can march protests and what have you, which draws attention, but it's pretty known whether people are in denial or not, that there are some serious disconnects when it comes to law enforcement and it comes to the disproportionate um, measures on black and brown folks. And that's not just with those types of things, even a traffic violation based on the research that's out there. I mean, for lack of a term, African-Americans are at least two to three times more likely than any other group to get pulled over. Right. It's, 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 it's mind boggling. It really is. So, you know, and I think that part of what you mentioned was the whole idea of, of people taking to the streets and protesting. And, you know, and I think everybody has a role in this movement. We have the protesters, we have the writers, we have the artists, we have the political analysts. You know, we, we have a, 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 you know, everybody has a role. Um, and I, I would, I would argue that the, the, the protest, while, you know, even, you know, um, Walter Wallace's father, um, you know, he was on um, the news and he was saying, you know, please, let's not do the protest, let's not do the looting, let's not do the, you know, um, the violence. But I would I, I wonder how much traction this would have gotten without any of that. I mean, a number of people can look at it, and I'm paraphrasing a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King about a riot is the language of the unheard. And before we start condemning these folks, obviously we'd like people to be more constructive with their actions. But we don't know, quote, have they, quote, followed the protocol in order to say, hey, look, what have we done in regards to our community and coalition building? What have we done in regards to engaging our, you know, our lawmaking officials? We don't know the whole story. We see the people at the tipping point and getting frustrated. And there's a whole lot of frustration. And without going too deep, when you look at the history of law enforcement in Andrew, you're breaking up a little bit, but we're going to go to break. And um, when we come back, we'll continue this conversation. Welcome back to the live Dr. Pamela. And I am joined by Andrew Snort. We're talking about um, 
water and just really um, it's like it's such a black term it feels almost silly to say about black lives matter you know because it, it, so many things um, and I really like what um, Andrew said at the beginning um, in that it really is a call for acknowledging and honoring the human of black people it really is not deeper than that it is as simple as that and so um, Andrew I know you were you were speaking at the end of the last segment and um, we, we kind of lost you a little bit is um, is there anything that, that you wanted to add to, to what you were saying uh, yeah, sure. Uh, again, like we said from the outset, the movement ultimately is about respecting and acknowledging the humanity of Black people. That's ultimately what it's all about. And again, when you think about historically what has gone on here, what has gone on globally, what we see present day, and um there's still a need to have these meaningful dialogues. It's still a need to have these meaningful actions, being strategic, being engaged, coalition building. And again, that's ultimately what it's all about. Uh, some right. people you know, have tried to manipulate the meaning and say it's this and say it's that. But when you peel back all the layers and get to the core, it is respect the humanity of black people, especially when we look at all these things beyond police brutality to anything, not only just in regards to those actions, but you think about economic issues, you think about political restraints, uh, broken promises, for lack of a right. better term. Um, right. That's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, and, you know, I think that one of the things that we don't, that we miss out on, um, you know, we hear the stories of, um, you know, innocent Black people getting shot or even if they're not innocent, everything is not the death penalty. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, so, so yes. So I just want to put that out there because, you know, people will jump on, well, you know, how innocent was, you know, this person. And in, and in the case of um, Walter Wallace Jr. Um, it, it was said that he had a knife. I'm not sure what all the details were, but the the counter is that, again, that's not a death sentence, especially when you're interacting with somebody who has a mental illness. It is important to consider all those factors and try everything before getting to that point of, of, of lethal force. Um, the question with the work that you do with high school and middle school boys, um, can you articulate just some of the, the ways in which it's evident that they still that they, that they struggle perhaps with some of the injustices that happen um, in our society? Definitely. I think, you know, like we've like you were just saying, it's almost like you're you're prejudged before you're walking in the door. And and sometimes, you know, when you think about some for some issues with middle and high school students, for example, in one of the counties, uh, one of the metro Atlanta counties, I'll just be blunt, Gwinnett County, where you have majority a majority minority district where it's probably at least 60 to 65 percent of the students are black and brown. But then you look at some of these disproportionate numbers regarding the punitive pieces from paneling to suspensions and things along those lines. And the numbers are way overboard. Uh, there are, like I said, there are structural disconnects that they're dealing with already in the classroom. Um, like I said, with, th with those types of matters. And I think just like anyone, just finding your identity, 
middle school is a transitional time, you know, for yeah. a number of young people. And it's not easy. And the same thing with high school. And we know that there are pressures like peer pressure and like I said, self-image. You see what's going on. You think about some of the cases we talked about before. Tamir Rice was a young man that's in there in a middle school peer group. You think yeah. about Trayvon Martin, who was in a high school peer group. There's a number of other cases where, you know, there are reasonable fears, unknowns, and things along those lines. So what you want to do, I think, ultimately is reminding, you know, our young men who they are, whose they are, the talents that they have. And yes, there are different dynamics out there that are challenging and are compromising. That that is that is real. But what can we do to help better equip based on what we know and what are things we still have to learn as adults in order to be a better resource, not only for our young people, but for each other? Absolutely. Um, Andrew, I'm curious to know what, what do they tell you? What are some of the things that they say to you that, that make it clear that this work is still needed? Goodness, that's that's a great question. The 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 thing the the reservations that they have, um, engagement with the police and we've done workshops on that as best mm-hmm. as possible how to engage with law enforcement but we know it runs bigger than that but that start of it um just engagement in regards to their classes how they can engage and better connect in their communities um there's different things as best as possible that we let people know you can take ownership of there are things where you do have a say and to identify your voice do mm-hmm. your research obviously, because you don't want to go into a setting and you haven't done your homework, for lack of a better term. But there yeah. are things that can be done. and But the thing is, we know that we still have to learn more. We still have to do more. We still have to be as efficient as possible. And so we, we that's what we really focus on doing. But then you'll be surprised what our young people do know, what our young people are aware of. So oh, yeah. we can't come at it lens of we're older and we're dictating we have to share an exchange and like i think the greatest thing that we can do when they talk we listen when we talk they listen absolutely well i think it's really um important to uh, to tackle this from a, a you know two different angles I mean, that one angle being how to arm them with the tools and the know-how and the skill set to be able to protect their lives, to be able to get out of a situation with a police officer alive and safely. Um, at the same time, we have the, the t- there, there's some, there's some things they can physically do, but at the same time, we, we still have this, this larger landscape of society that, that requires us to be aware of things that we may not be in control of. So it's kind of, um, you know, this approach of, where, where's our power in the situation? Let's utilize that power. And how can we be aware and knowledgeable of the things that kind of go beyond the scope of our own power? Both are very important lessons. Um, we're going to get into the research. In the interest of science. 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 The research to 
today is actually looking at history. So it's historical research um, and it's recent history. And this is really the foundation of the Black Lives Matter movement, what it's about, how it started. Um, and this was in 2013. So in 2013, three Black organizers, Alicia Garza, Patrice Kohlers, and Opal Tometi created a Black-centered political um, will movement uh, building project called Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Now, this was in response to the acquittal of Trayvon Martin's murderer, George Zimmerman. So we may recall that. And, um, and there was a lot of outrage over that. There was a lot of passion over that. And this is where the hashtag really took root. It had been used previously, um, but this is where it really took root and became a national movement. Now, what we see now is nowhere, well, what we saw then is nowhere near what we're seeing now. Um, because now people are listening. Now we have organizations and companies, um, the NFL, you know, organizations that previously shunned Black Lives Matter are now saying, wow, wait a minute, we hear you. We want to do things differently. Where that comes from might be different from organization to organization. You know, it could be about the bottom line. It could be about a sincere desire for change. Um, but we have definitely seen a shift in the way that Black Lives Matter um, has manifest over you know, the years since Trayvon Martin. Now, um, as organizers who work with everyday people, Black Lives Matter's members see and understand significant gaps in movements and spaces of leadership. So in previous movements, there's been you know, the uh, women's suffrage movement, um, one, didn't necessarily include black women in that movement, didn't include trans women in that movement. There was a, there's a lot of different elements um, that Black Lives Matter attempts to include um, that other movements do not. So they want to fill that gap. Now, what that has caused is a lot of controversy, but controversy based on what people believe about LGBT issues, about trans issues, um, because that is included in the, the larger picture of Black Lives Matter. So just looking at a, a quote from their website, and if you ever have any questions about what they're about and what their mission is and what they focus on, where their funds go to, um, you definitely check out their, their website. Um, as a network, we have always recognized the need to center the leadership of women and queer to, and trans people to maximize our movement, um, to be intentional about not replicating harmful practices that excluded so many of us past movements of liberation. We have made a commitment to placing those at the margins closer to the center. Um, and so it, it, the so what what it really looks at also, and, and it's on another part of their website, um, it you know looks at police violence and how to reduce that. People ask questions like, well, why aren't they focusing on black on black crime? Why aren't they focusing on domestic abuse? And the, the, the organization has a particular area of focus. There are organizations that do address quote unquote, black on black violence. I have to use quote unquote, because all cultures have their fill in the blank on fill in the blank crime, depending on what, you know, because people close to each other, kill each other. Sad, but true. Um, so, so there's, there's, um, so they do, they address what they have explicitly stated that they address. And if there are other issues that people want to champion, 
we can, you know, support those organizations that do that. But that is essentially what Black Lives Matter is about. Um, it's about bringing awareness to the crimes that happen against Black people based on oppressive um, institutions that are put into place. So um, when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation. We're going to look at um, um, a little bit of some more misconceptions, but also um, some of the work, the progress that's being made. So stay with us. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Light of Exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And today we are talking about Black Lives Matter. I am joined by Andrew Snorton. And um, he does a lot of work in the community and a lot of work with young men, um, a lot of work with artists. Um, and, and so, Andrew, there one of the things that I also wanted to add to what I was saying about Black Lives Matter is that there is a um, I think there's a huge movement, parallel movement to debunk the, the credibility of Black Lives Matter. So they're, you know, it, they've been accused of being a Marxist group that, you know, seeks to change the, the values of America, um, partially because of the, you know, partly LGBT agenda that um, that's a part of the Black Lives Matter movement, but also just in the, um, you know, wanting to uh, just kind of overall change the look of America. Um, th- there have been actually, of Black Lives Matters movement, you know, hating white people and wanting to take over white people and 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 you know destroy them and build um, the the country, you know. Um, and so uh, I'm sorry, and build the country, uh, replace them all with black people. There's been so many misconceptions about Black Lives Matter, um, and and so it's this parallel movement to debunk it, which makes total sense. If 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 the work that Black Lives Matter is doing is intimidating or scary for people who already are experiencing privilege and and a a great amount of comfort in the country, of course there's going to be a movement to um, devalue and and strip away the credibility of an organization that's trying to change those things. So, uh, you know, and, and what's, I guess, disturbing to me is that we see a lot of Black people jumping on that bandwagon. And, and tearing down an organization that is designed to honor the humanity of us as well. So I say that to say, oh, can you hear me at all? Okay. Let me try coming back on. Okay. Well, let's see. Okay. So, so I'm going to just keep going. And, and when, when Andrew can hear me, then we'll just go ahead and jump in on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it makes total sense to me that an organization like that, anytime you have a movement or organization or, you know, an ideology that is about dismantling the the oppressive structures that exist in our society, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have propaganda put forward um, intended to devalue that movement because it's, it's scary. If you're already in charge and you're already running things in this country and you have a comfort level and you have, you know, you benefit from the way that this country is structured, any attempt to change that structure, to dismantle that structure, um, I mean, goodness, the, 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 the movement to defund the police have created, you know, has created a whole lot of panic. All of those things, um, create fear in 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 the body of people who are already experiencing that that power and that privilege in the society um and so i would expect that there would be 
um, movements to dishonor and dismantle um, movements like Black Lives Matter. Um, is any movement perfect? No. Does any movement have everything that I would desire for it to have? No. Um, but if we look at the core and we look at just the basics of of what the message is, you know is and what what's trying to be conveyed, it's about honoring and dignifying the humanity of Black people, of all Black people, and in a in a time when our lives um, are being threatened in every way, shape, and form. I listened to, um, I was watching uh, a broadcast yesterday in which they stated, and this was on MSNBC, and they were saying that the the shootings that we're seeing of, of Black people, and of course the latest of which was Monday with Walter Wallace Jr., the shootings that we've been seeing, believe it or not, as much as we can, you know, we, we see these things happen, this is the smallest form of oppression that we're experiencing in this society. Black people being shot by police officers as often as we see it happen is the smallest form of oppression we experience in this society. The other forms of oppression are, are invisible um, and, and they still can lead to our deaths. So disparities in healthcare, um, um, and, and obviously, you know, we, you see some of the biggest, um, the, the biggest, you know, right now, black women are, are number one in, in maternal death and what's going on there. And so, uh, again, believe it or not, black men, black women being killed by police as pervasive and as upsetting and as, as unnecessary as it is, it is one of the, the, the smallest uh, forms of oppression in the landscape of all of the ways in which we are oppressed in this society. Andrew, are you back? Can you hear me? Oh, he's not. Okay. 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 I just wanted to make sure I'm not snuffing him out. I want to make sure he has an opportunity <laughs> to contribute and add to this. Um, so as soon as we get him back, I will make sure I give him the floor and I allow him to, to say something. Um, but if we look at the different ways in which we're experiencing, um, you know, oppression, um, we can find it in every single arena of our society. We can find it in healthcare. Um, we can find it in um, our uh, home buying. In you know, we had uh, a couple of guests on the show a few weeks ago talking about um, home ownership and some of the the barriers and and the outright blatant um, ways in which Black people are are um, placed behind hurdles to purchase homes um, with with jobs. One of the things that um, as far as education, it's education is absolutely um, um, needed for us. And whether or not that's a four-year college degree or whether that is a trade of some sort, um, it is so essential for us. And, 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 and why? Not just because of the basic reasons of why education is so important to us, but also because even when we're educated, even when we have a bachelor's degree, that we still get paid less than our white counterparts who don't have a, a bachelor's degree. So there are so many ways in which 
this oppression plays out in our society. And I see that Andrew is back. And I'm going to ask Andrew, one of the, the, the biggest point that I've been making is that as pervasive as police violence and, and death of Black people at the hands of police, as pervasive as that is, it is actually one of the most minimal, I guess, smallest ways in which we are oppressed in this society. Because I'm against the, 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 the backdrop of all of the other ways, this is actually one of the smallest ways. And, and it's huge, which speaks to how impactful all of those other um, elements of, of, of oppression play out. I think we lost him again. <laughs> so... So that is um, really uh, the point that that I, I just want us to understand how important it is and bringing it back to the importance of Black Lives Matter, the importance of that foundation. Um, Jamie is saying it's also the, it's often the small stresses that are compounded into chronic health issues and generational poverty. Yes. And sometimes that's all it takes. You know, sometimes. All it takes is a, is a societal structure that creates these, these minimal stresses that continue and continue and continue. When we look at trauma um, in, in, in the impacts of trauma, especially and particularly racial trauma, when we look at that, um, microaggressions, which are small, seemingly small, um, acts of, of, of racist behavior that happens against us. So we might be in a, in a meeting of some sort and they'll say, well, you know, okay, but your people don't really X, Y, and Z, or, you know, just small microaggressions that are, con, con, and I hate to minimize them because really they have major impact, but those, those slights that we hear on a regular basis, a collective of those slights are equal to one major racial incident that might happen to us. So when we live in a society where those slights continue to happen, they wear on us and they have an impact on us that is detrimental to our health, whether it is something that happens, you know, gradually over time or whether it is a major event, traumatizing event that happens to us. So when we come back, Hopefully, we'll be able to hear from Andrew and and get a final word from him. So stay with us. We'll be right back on the live exchange. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and I'm, I'm joined. I think I'm still joined by Andrew Snorton. Um, I, Andrew's had some some technical challenges today. Hi, Andrew. You're back. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I tell you what, thank you all so much for working with me. I tell you what, doing a show without electricity and all that has been hours of entertainment. But uh, but I tell you what, today's today's topic, honestly, it is, you know, it is timely. And just as we've been able to talk about today and when I've been able to join in, like I said before, it all starts with acknowledging and respecting our humanity. Number two yeah. to me, it's don't let anyone short sell any of the talents that you have and things of that nature. And that extends from the classroom to what you do professionally, what you do in the community. I hope right. that viewers, you know, have been able to have those takeaways and yes, don't get me wrong. We do get fatigued when we look at the large body of present day trauma. Like you said earlier, the microaggressions, the structural things that are in place, the embedded items that are there, but not doing anything 
still cannot be an option. There is still right. something that can be done. We still have to continue based on what we know, based on evolving better practices, what can be done to consistently advocate for our humanity, for our space, for our existence. And yeah. there is no shame and no harm in doing that at all. So to anyone out there, don't let anyone, like they would say in the spirituals, turn you around. Don't let anyone mm -hmm. say what you're not. Don't let yeah. anyone say that you are less than what you are. That's wonderful. That's yeah, absolutely great words there. Um, Andrew, I, I would love to give you an opportunity to just give us some, um, you know, an overview of what you're doing and how people can get involved with what you're doing. How can we reach you? Sure. As you said earlier, on the nonprofit end, the Lead Foundation, which is the website, theleadfoundation.org, uh, we've been, you know, restructuring a little bit you know, in the now normal, but we definitely have programming for middle school students, high school students. We'll hope to get back to doing some of like the college fairs, workshops, things along those lines as you hear the clock ticking in the background. But on top of that, on the business, on the business end, Creative Community Solutions, if people visit the website, asnortoncs.com, it'll have the list of education-based services from traditional tutoring, virtual tutoring, ACT and S. SAT test prep, press and media services, working with smaller businesses and events, and then the writing services. And that ranges from editing to, uh, you know, writing. And as you said at the beginning of the show, with the books I've been able to do on different topics, as well as the audiobook series, uh, just being able to engage and connect. So I think the website info will be easiest. And then from there, people can tap in, you know, to the social media and things along those lines. Great. And and don't you have an event coming up um, October 31st this weekend? Yes, I've got two events coming up where people can engage with me October 31st from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Nubian Bookstore in Morrow, Georgia. I will be doing a book signing. It'll feature the three books that I've done in addition to the most recent book that I'll show right quick, Nothing Minor. The beautiful thing about Nothing Minor, it covers my 2019 coverage of minor league baseball in the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee. Uh, the player interviews, a number of the player interviews, I was very intentional with interviewing our African-American players. I think that's a narrative that gets overlooked. And a number yeah. of those players are in the major leagues right now. Uh, Emery Rose Photography, a black female-owned photography group based out of Gwinnett County, Georgia, helped with the photography. And one insert I'd really like to emphasize is on the Negro Southern Leagues Museum. Many people might not realize this is the 100-year anniversary of the Negro Leagues. So to be able to do a feature on that museum, which has the largest archive of some of those historical pieces from a Jackie Robinson, who most, most people are familiar with, with the movie 42 from yeah. uh, Larry Doby, the second African-American player to uh, break through the Major League Baseball lines. So that will be this Saturday and Sunday, November 1st at 4.20 p.m. People can join me virtually. I'll be speaking for the Detroit, uh, Detroit Book City's second annual fall f uh, festival. Um, so that'll be 4.20 p.m. Uh, Detroit Book City. I'll be one of the virtual speakers for that. And that right. will be on the social media. Probably the easiest way would be the author page, author Andrew Snorton on Facebook. So we'll stream it through there as well as the uh, Detroit Book City um, social media platforms.
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. You know, my, I, I have an uncle who plays in the Negro Leagues, and I, I actually love to learn more about this museum because I did not know about it. So that, that might be a great um, outing for me and my family. <laughs> um, yep. Thank you so much. Um, go ahead. We're, we're wrapping up. I was about to say real quick with Negro Southern Leagues Museum in Birmingham, Alabama, they have reopened. Uh, I want to say their hours are from 10 to 4. Last quick thing. It's free for people if it's a group of nine or less. More than nine, it's a dollar. So it's an easy, cost-effective way to enjoy. So definitely check that out. And check me out this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Andrew. We're going to have to have you back when it, it, you know, it's not right after a storm, um, because I would love to hear more of what you have to say. <laughs> so, so thank you so much. Um, for the rest of you, we are going into our second hour. So stay with us on the live exchange. We'll be right back. Good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of the Live Exchange, where we exchange compelling dialogue around humanity, intellect, and change every Thursday from 11 to 1. I'm Dr. Pamela, and on today's show, we have been discussing Black Lives Matter. In the first hour, I was joined by Andrew Snorton, um, who is an active community member um, right here, actually, in the same area I'm in, in Gwinnett County, um, Georgia. And so he is doing a lot of amazing work and um, within, you know, the community and, and through the arts and has a couple of events happening this weekend. So definitely be sure to check out that first hour if you missed it. Um, in this next hour, I will be joined by our guest, Rob Gordon, and he is an entertainer and actor. And we're going to be able to take a look at Black Lives Matter as it pertains to entertainment. Um, and really, I mean, look at how it's taking root in social media alone. And that's only one form of media. So we have a lot to talk about this hour. And I'm really looking forward to it because it's such an important topic considering, um, you know, the, the same issues are still happening. We just lost another black male to police violence earlier this week. Um, and so we can't stop talking about this. This is something that we just have to continue. So stay with us and we'll be right back on the live exchange. Welcome to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela. And um, are, are, we, are we... Okay, okay. I, I, so let me just give you all a little just preface here. You know, here in Atlanta, we, we got some of the... Um, aftermath of hurricane and i don't i can't even remember which one what the name of this hurricane is but it, the major hurricane and um so we <laughs> so we're working through the technicalities of that and so andrew on the first half of the show um had actually lost power a lot of people in our area lost power a lot of trees down um you know a lot going on so i uh, yeah, so appreciate you all uh bearing with us through this as we're trying to just kind of keep a level head and 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 keep things going through so thankfully um you know everything is good we're okay uh, and i pray that everybody out there um is okay after you know, it was pretty bad it was it was pretty pretty intense last night um so this show um this the second half of the show we are still talking about black lives matter but we're looking at it from the perspective of um, media and entertainment. And there's a lot of work um, that, that entertainers are doing to bring attention to 
the Black Lives Matter um, movement. And so we, I don't think that our guest um, has arrived. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to make it, but I, this is one of the reasons why I preface, there was a pretty bad storm and, you know, I, I, I hope that all is well, um, but we may have to just kind of pivot and have the conversation without this guest. And, um, but that is perfectly okay. I am definitely interested in any thoughts or um, perspectives that you all may have uh, that you can bring to the table. Um, but one of the things that I think has, media is so important because it has really been the vehicle for pushing um, the Black Lives Matter movement as well as so many other things. It's a double-edged sword because in some ways, media, social media um, has been wonderful and in, in because this is how we get information. This is how we stay connected to one another. This is how the world seems much smaller than it used to be because we are able to share information in ways that we never have been able to do before. That's wonderful. The, the, of course, the negative thing is that the information that we share nowadays can be false information or it can be inf misconceptions that um, can be harmful information. It, you know, we, we have so many new ways now to insult each other, to hurt each other, to cause harm to one another. And, um, and for that reason, um, you know, social media is not always to our benefit. So there's a lot of things that we need to consider. Um, and, and really, number one, check your sources. When you get information, don't just take it in and regurgitate it uh, without scrutinizing it. There are so many ways to check sources um, and, and media is clever in that, yes, we can pass on really great information um, and do good in the world, but we also have this power of editing, um, you know, cutting and pasting, taking out important contextual information, um, changing the way things look. If you've seen uh, all of these political commercials, you'll notice that whenever they're talking about their opponent, they give them a more drab look. They put them in gray. Um, they show the more unpleasant parts of them. And when they're talking about themselves or, or the candidate that is being promoted, they're in a better light. They are happy. They are dressed well. Um, and so please, please, please do not just take everything you hear in media at face value. Um, there is an article that I shared last night on my page that I almost took down because when I read the article a bit more deeply, I realized that the headline, as we often may notice, doesn't always match what the article said. So in this case, the headline was um, talking about how Trump's policies um, pretty much can lead or his new executive order can lead to the the dismantling or, or the lack of funding or block funding for HBCUs. Now, I didn't take it down because as I read the article, there is a lot of truth to it, but it, it, it was deceiving in that it seemed that something that he passed directly blocked funding for HBCUs. I want to clarify that because it's an important distinction um, the, the, the executive order that he passed, this is the one that was passed in early September, and it was about 
how we can't do um, government government funded entities cannot use their money to fund bias and racial trainings um, and you know for their organizations. Now that with that to me alone, wow, what an executive order to pass, right? Um, it, it flies in the face of everything we're trying to do. It is um, based on a lot of misconceptions and lies about these trainings. But does it directly impact HBCU funding? Well, as I read the article and the case that the gentleman who wrote the article made, I, you know, I, I can absolutely see the point because what this executive order does is it it um, it really says that anything that is about um, the foundation of racism in this country that says that um, a certain race has oppressed another race and so forth, that those are the things that they won't fund. Well, if you look at HBCUs, their entire existence is about mediating the racism that exists in the society. And so, yes, that executive order can most certainly have an impact on HBCUs. And so it's, you know, so when you are reading articles, this is just my tip to you from a scholar to other scholars of, of different levels, of different levels of experience, please read the content and really take the time to understand what is being said in these articles. Okay. So the, <laughs> I, I just, this is so important to me because the media has so much power the media has so much influence and gives us, um, you know, all a platform to put out whatever perspective we'd like. And there are so many people who are doing it irresponsibly, whether intentionally or not, it's being done irresponsibly. So I want us, the people who view the live exchange, to be responsible consumers of media responsible <laughs> so when we come back we do have a guest and we are going to continue this conversation stay with us on the live exchange all right welcome back to the live exchange i'm dr pamela and um i do have our guest um who i'm going to introduce right now so rob gordon is a rising fallout comedy dc comic Starring in his first ever stand-up special available on Amazon Prime, Problematic is sure to keep you laughing. Rob Gordon was born and raised in Washington, D.C. with his parents and older sister. He found his love for comedy and laughter very early in life. One of the Gordon family traits is an innate sense of humor. During his college years at Hampton University, Rob decided to take his natural talent and bold, bold personality to the masses at his first stand-up show, which was just the beginning of his multi-talented career. After graduating from Hampton University with a master's degree in architecture, Rob began to focus his time and energy in comedy and entertainment. He expresses himself not only on stage doing stand-up, but also through his skits and sketches, acting in films and web series, his use of social media, and his YouTube news. He's a true talent who has spent the past seven years entertaining people across the country. When not performing, Rob enjoys spending time with his son and working on expanding his entertainment footprint and other entrepreneurial endeavors. Welcome, Rob. For having me. How y'all doing? I'm good. How are you? All good. We experienced some technical difficulties this morning. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, afternoon. You, that is the name of the Yeah, and right. you're in Washington, 
DC still? Or are you? I'm in DC. I'm in DC. I literally just got back. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, so in Atlanta, we had this major storm, which led to some tech difficulties in the beginning of the show. So, um, yeah. So, you know, it's fine. We bounced back, right? <laughs> part of the business, right? Yes, it is. Part of the business. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you know, we've been having a conversation about Black Lives Matter and really pivoting this hour of the show to the importance of the Black voice in, in media and entertainment and really in um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and, and I would just love to just start with you. I mean, I read all of this amazing work that you're doing. I noticed towards the end that there are some entrepreneurial endeavors and that you use your social media as well for your voice. Um, mm -hmm. Can you just talk to us a little bit about what you're doing and, and you know, what the foundation of your work is? Uh, off, off of book, as far as, um, you know, outside of comedy, I'm a real estate developer. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I do on a, on a day-to-day -day basis when I'm not on stage or on somebody's movie set, I'm, I'm developing somebody's property so that they can have a place to stay. Um, so that's, that's pretty much what, you know, kind of what I do outside of, uh, my comedy festivals where I own a DC comedy, but I'm a, uh, one third owner of the DC comedy festival. So, no, you know, just doing some of those different things. Um, and that's just what I'm doing and what I'm working <laughs> on. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about what it means to be black in entertainment, especially now in, you know, in light of everything that's happening um, socially in terms of social justice, what does it mean to be black in entertainment? Um, I think, I think now is a, is probably one of the best times. I think the, the last time we had something like this, or that we were in the midst of something like this. It was the 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 um, black renaissance, you know, kind of like that. Well, it was black exploitation. Let me let me not mistake. Yeah. It was a black exploitation uh, movement. So I think that this is an, a reemergence of that. Um, yeah. Atlanta is one of those cities that uh, exemplifies all of those things. I was just in in Atlanta, and and you guys are really still moving like it's nothing happening outside, mm -hmm. um, which I like. Uh, it's a little dangerous, but I like it. Um, <laughs> they, I, I, I mean, they uh, are. But <laughs> I mean, you know, some people are quarantining in place, but uh, yeah, yeah. everybody else in Atlanta is outside. <laughs> so, yeah, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But Atlanta is one of those places to me that um, that truly, uh, when I say you know, is, is one of the leaders of that of that particular new movement. Um, yeah. You know, with the Tyler Perry Studios and uh, a lot of the other different producers and production companies down there um, right. kind of taking the, taking those things by horn. I think it, it's a no better time to be black than now um, yeah. in, in entertainment because of all of the things that are going on outside. And they need us to have a voice. Um, they need us to, to, to speak to certain things and to to give people hope through through our medium, which is could be comedy acting. Um, music videos rap um, so just to kind of keep the people corralled and up and uplifted in this time because um, there's a lot going on absolutely yeah well you know we I, I've got so many more questions to ask about that so we're going to go to a break when we come back we're going to continue the conversation those of you who are following uh, Facebook live wherever you are um, definitely join the conversation and, and uh, we want to hear what you have to say as well so stay with us we'll be right back on the live all right, welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, 
And I'm joined by Rob Gordon and um, comedian, developer, you know, <laughs> multifaceted Renaissance man. Uh, thank you for joining us today. Um, and we're really talking about Black Lives Matter, but looking at it from a lens in this hour of um, entertainment, particularly yeah. Black entertainers. Um, my question is, um, you know, we all, us non-entertainment folks out in the world, have all kinds of opinions about what entertainers should and should not be doing. Um, and you don't have to necessarily give me your opinion on this, but we've had a lot of criticism over Ice Cube making a deal with Donald Trump and then a lot of criticism over, um, you know, entertainers giving money to one area and maybe not to another. And, you know, so we all have these opinions about what we think entertainers should be doing. Um, I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that and if you have a particular idea of what entertainers' roles should be during times like this. Um, that's a loaded question. It is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I will say, I, I will say this, um, you know, a lot of people's opinions on what entertainers should be doing is based off of the fact that entertainers have the platform to the masses, right? So, um, you know, a lot of times people think that entertainers should be doing certain things or saying certain things, but you got to also realize as a a non-entertainer, there are brands and money associated with that person or those persons coming out and saying certain things, right? So, yeah. you know, while we feel as though this particular celebrity should say this or that particular celebrity should say this on behalf of, quote unquote, the masses or us or what we, what you know, what the agenda is, you also have to understand that that's how they pay their family as well. So yeah. that's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a touchy subject um, when you're talking about um, just that thought process of what should be said or what should not be said. Um, that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? Like we all right. adults, you can't tell somebody what they need to be doing in order to feed their family. Right. So if, cause if somebody told you, doc, uh, you need to stop practicing uh, or we, we need you to practice in this certain way. And you're like, wait, well, my my degree doesn't say that I practice like that. Y'all trying to yeah. get me disbarred, then right. that's a different conversation. You know what I mean? Right. So so we all have to be cognizant of everybody's space and place within the movement. Um, and as an entertainer, just because they have the platform does not necessarily mean that they are the voice. Um, and that's just my personal opinion. Now, do we need some voices to stand up and speak out amongst what's going on currently? Absolutely. But I don't necessarily think that that always should be an entertainer because they have the biggest platforms because some of these entertainers don't necessarily aren't necessarily um, skilled in the way in which we need them to lead. Yeah. Um, you, you know what I mean? So that, Martin, great. You know what I'm saying? He right. wasn't a rapper then turn, you know what I'm saying? To the, I have a dream speech. He was always a preacher and he preached amongst the people. So yeah. I think that, you know, we kind of have to look to people to be strong within their field of expertise, if you may. So, you know, yeah. um, and at this particular time, if you're an entertainer, I think that your job is to entertain. If I'm a comedian, my job is to put out content that make people laugh. Yeah. Uh, henceforth, you guys can go check out my special right now, Problematic on Amazon, <laughs> shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but, you know, which I which I do, I, I, I hold up my end of the bargain in order to do that within this time. And I think that, you know, you know, if, if an entertainer speaks out on behalf of the people, I think that that's something that um, 
you know, that's that's notable. That's 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 something that's admirable. But if they don't, I don't think that we should expect it. I think we should, you know, we have activists. That's why that title was created. And then we have entertainer. That's why that title is created. And then, you know, everybody has to stay within their lane to do everything that we needed to, to happen so that the movement is cohesive. Um so that's I mean, that's well said because, you know, we do need to stay in our lanes. We need to be careful what we wish for. We might say we want yeah. the entertainers to speak out and then realize, oh, you, nah, maybe we didn't need them to do that <laughs> after all. And then they put their foot in their mouth and then you like, oh, well, ah, well, well, I mean, he didn't right. mean that. He didn't mean right. to say it like that. No, no, oh, no, God. no, no. That's what he said. That's what he meant yeah. to say. And that's yeah. how he meant to say it. Now, y'all wanted me to speak yeah. out. You know, you wanted me to say something. Now I, I didn't talk to Trump, and now you know, and I see, oh no, 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 don't nobody want to hit what I got to say. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We asked him to speak his mind. That's his thoughts. We can't get mad at him for his thoughts. We don't think right. Think you know what I mean? Yeah. So and you got to be careful what you wish for now. Be careful, yeah, because those those were the words that came out of his mouth, and and you know what I mean. So we, yeah, we got what we asked for, you know. So that's the thing, and I think that's an important point is that everybody, there are entertainers who are activists. There are very out there activists slash entertainers. Colin Kaepernick is a perfect example of that. Well, his entertainer, he's an entertainer changed to activist. He was he didn't start. He didn't Good start point. as an activist. You know Good what I mean? Point. He became he became woke on his journey and then at the end of the journey he became an yeah. activist because he could not entertain anymore. So let's yeah. be clear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. His, his check was taken away from as a, him, him him as an entertainer and it forced him right. to become an extreme activist. It's not that he yeah. was entertainer activist and he was doing both no he was an entertainer right. and it was pulled away from him and he was forced to be an activist so now he had yeah. to go 100 percent in on the activism piece let's well, let's be clear you know what i mean yeah. let's, let's be clear let's be extremely Cause clear because if he could have been both he would have been but they they made it very clear no, they, they made it very and that's what yeah. i'm saying that's the difference yeah. between somebody having a ch- having to do something for a check and then having right. to do something f- for other purposes it's like if he could have been a player and an activist, would he have yep. been? Sure. But yep. as soon as he just decided that he was going to speak out on behalf of the people, yeah. the corporate snatched the rug up out, of, out from under him. Mm-hmm. So now he had no more platform to 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 kneel on Sunday. It was, that was taken away from him. He had to pivot, yeah. if you may. So yeah. be careful what you wish for because also, you know, like I said, that's how these people feed their family. And if y'all not going to jump out there with them, and help them feed their family. Hello. Amen. Hello. Now, is the same? Do entertainers stand the same risk as Colinick stood? You know, with with the you know the NFL swiping that from under under him. Do do entertainers in movies and media and the things that you're doing, Netflix? Do you stand the risk of having that kind of stuff swept from under you? Absolutely. You gotta you gotta realize that all of these companies, whether we're all independent contractors. Right. And all of these companies are corporate companies. So they have their corporate beliefs. They have their their corporate rollouts. They have HR, you know, and all of these different things. So if you violate that's like you going to work. If you violate a, a HR, HR quote, 19 line item nine, you will be fired. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's right. the same thing. It's just that entertainers are independent contractors and we're able to work with different companies that have different views. Now, the only thing about it is. You know, you might not be able to work in this specific space, corporate, you know, mainstream space, but you might be able to work in the 
quote, you know, urban space, which is cool. Checks are different, but it's cool. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's just truth. at the end of the day, but but you may miss out on certain opportunities because you spoke out in a certain way or a certain manner. So it does. Right. It, it is the same how how Colin was was kind of uh, ostracized, if you may. Um, so you got to be as an entertainer. You got to be careful unless you make it unless you cutting your own checks. But even in that instance, are you really cutting your own check? I mean, no. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's it's the people who are paying you know the check that that's going to determine. And we are. So it's it's still a corporate structure. I mean, if you, however you want to, if, if you're getting paid from the people or you're getting paid from the corporation, it's still a corporate structure because that means that somebody is paying for your bills. You're not the person that's- in a heartbeat. Of course, of course, yeah. in a heartbeat. Yeah. They yeah. like you today, yeah. they hate you tomorrow. I mean, that's just yep. based on what you say or what you do for the, for right. the culture. You know? Right, right. Oh yeah, that's that's pins and needles. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, because and, and I guess you can't live with that kind of fear or concern on your back all the time. But sure. but it, it's it's the reality of social media. All somebody has to do is just you know um, decide Definitely. we're going to launch a movement against you, and then right. there it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, cancel. So, we live in cancel yeah, culture. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. so. Um, so we're going to get into just a little bit of, of research, and um, I believe, is that what we're doing right now? I think we're going into the research right now. Um, we're not. Okay, we're not. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's no. Well, that's good, because I did have another question for you with regards to, sure. the, the, the you know, just being a comedi- comedian. That is a special uh-huh. place in the entertainment world, especially when it comes to addressing all of the issues that are going on now, political issues, the president, um, Black Lives Matter, the protests, police shootings. How do you maintain a, a career in comedy when all of these non-comedic things are happening? And I know that's just been, that's the reality of life. You know, how, how do you do that? Because there's always those people say, this ain't anything to joke about. This ain't funny. How do you navigate that? Uh, as a comedian, um, we always seem to find the funny and stuff that's not funny. I mean, it's just you could be at a funeral and see something that just crack up laughing. You know what I mean? It's just it's 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 somewhat sick, but it's it's a gift. It's like you know a, a doctor with you know um, you know your treatments and knowing how to read medicine and um, knowing you know the medicine codes. It's the same thing. You know, it's a train. It's a train. It's a train mentality. And I think that. Um, the timing for you got for the for the people might not be right, but the comedians oh, we already got the jokes ready. Now I'm just you know what I mean. The timing you sometimes you gotta wait on certain things to catch up. Um, some things are like you know you hear comedians say too soon um, because that's like yeah. you know, people are not you know people are not necessarily ready to hear that. But uh, most of the time we got the jokes already written. The joke is already written itself, or you know you sitting around with your comedian buddies and you done threw some some ideas out and, and, and you know comedians we always laughing and having a good time so right uh, nine times out of ten those jokes are already written um uh, because i got a couple about this stuff and it you know you just got to kind of wait on everybody's sensitivity level to drop and then you you can kind of uh slide them jokes in there with, with everybody's uh <laughs> well, less, less sensitive. 
But this is what I appreciate so much about comedians. And this is why, you know, we got to stay in our lanes, you know. So for comedians, it is a specific art and, you know, you know, kind of the timing. And then sometimes, of course, there's trial and error and you figure it out and, you know, and you keep moving. But we need to be able to laugh. Um, I on Sunday, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but this video went viral and I don't know who your team is, but there were some Pittsburgh's. Pittsburgh Steelers fan in South Carolina who decided to do a funeral of uh, the Cowboys. <laughs> it, was, it was hilarious. And they were- I'm a Redskins. I'm a Washington fan, so I thought it okay. was funny. Okay, okay. but yeah, you saw it. You I thought saw it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so yeah, I thought it was hilarious. And I mean, the, Me the, so they just they did the whole black Southern funeral over this this cowboys with a baby head body it was hilarious, hilarious. and there were comments in there from people like do you know that there's people whose families are dying you can't do this this is insensitive this is and i'm sure you hear that kind of stuff all the time we're about to, we're about to go to break so when we come back though i, I just want to hear how you deal with the people who don't have a sense of humor <laughs> tell you shut up shut up shut up Let me, shut up, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> right. The thing about it is, when you have a kid, right, especially a boy, I don't know if y'all know this, but every great athlete didn't know who their father was. <laughs> Another great example of that's not funny. Why would you talk about people not knowing their fathers? How do you deal with people who you just don't? Okay, you got to say this in clean language now. I got to remind you, clean language. Oh, I didn't get the, I didn't get the memo. Um, okay, I just okay. tell them to, 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 to shut up. You know, <laughs> be quiet, man. You know what I mean? Because it's like if we listen to those insensitive people, because some people just don't like to find fun in anything. You know what I mean? Like, they're always the fun police. And if you let them fun police people run your life, oh, yeah. We'll all be sad and depressed. Oh, absolutely. Do these we'll people come to, Do people like that come to comedy shows? They try. And- they try. <laughs> and then they try to, they try and they come sit in the front row. <laughs> hey, man, if you're not going to laugh, hey, the security's going to remove you. So you better loosen up. Right. Take your drawers <laughs> out your butt, man, and loosen up. Because otherwise, you're going to be removed. You don't spend your money. We got your money now. So you either going to laugh yeah. or you're going to leave. Laugh or leave. Which one is right. it? Right. Right. And uh, sometimes <laughs> they loosen up. Sometimes they don't. But if they don't, they gone. I, like, I, 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 give you, I don't even give you five minutes. If you ain't laughing in the first minute, two minutes, three minutes, hey, man. Hey, man. We got to reevaluate this situation. You got to go. <laughs> you got to you go. Got- and you know, you know this better than anybody else, but you know, and this is going to sound real cliche, but laughter is medicine. And if I'm going to put on research doctor hat and all of that, okay. there is all kinds of research that shows that, that laughter, laughter is medicine. And yep. we need it right now. If any, if no other time between COVID and this president and the civil rights revolution that's happening right now, we need laughter. <laughs> we, need, we need laughter. We need a lot, but laughter is one of the things we do need. We need an agenda yeah. too, but uh, but but we definitely need 
needs some laughter for sure. For sure, for sure. So tell me about who some of your, and this is going to sound real cliche as well, but some of your, um, I guess, role models when it comes to comedy, especially as it pertains to political comedy. You know, we've, we've got plenty of them out there who who deal with what's going on in the world, but they make it funny. Um, I would have to say my my favorite is Dave. Um, I was hoping you'd say from, <laughs> yeah, Coming from D.C., um, you know, Dave has been a mentor up close to that and afar as well. Um, so Dave, I would say for sure. Um, Martin for his silly. I love Martin's silly. Nobody can be more silly than Martin. Um, Kevin for his ability to um, to be a marketer in this era. Um, he he he's probably the the most marketed comedian, a well marketed comedian of all time. Wow. Um, and I, and I, will, I will give him that. Um, Eddie Murphy for you know the, being a rock star, and then of course Richard Pryor for being the ultimate truth teller. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of like my array. Uh, mm-hmm. And in any given day, that order could switch depending on the question. Um, but that's kind of like my top five. I mean, of course, yeah. David Martin, David Martin, not moving out of my top. Three, <laughs> right. DC, and I gotta do it. Um, you know, we are the comedy capital of the world. Um, so I just, I just have to, you know, uh, mention that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Dave, Dave is is oh my gosh. When it comes to political humor, he's 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 the go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. At, at whatever cost, he's gonna do the work. At whatever cost, he's gonna do yeah, the work. every at every call at every cost every turn. They've tried yep. to cancel them. They've tried to, you know, blackball them. They've tried to call them crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yep. he's oh, he went he's went through the ringer. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's interesting because that's one of the points that I, I made in the first hour of the show was that with Black Lives Matter, there's yep. all kinds of um backlash and all kinds of um attempts to say, you know, oh, this is a Marxist organization, this is this, this is that. They are, you know, they don't care about all black people. And I think that's completely natural and normal that any kind anytime you have a movement that is designed to bring, I guess, attention to oppression, um, to the powers that be, you're going to have opposition. And so what we've seen with Dave Chappelle is like you said, all of the things that um, have been launched against him, that his mind isn't right, that he's whatever, all of those things um, have been because he's a truth teller, because he's, you know, he's going to, he's putting it out there and everybody doesn't want that message to be known. Everybody don't want the truth. The truth is hard. It's a hard pill to swallow, as they yeah. say. Absolutely. Um, but the truth also, as they say, cliche, will set you free. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's... It's one of those things. I mean, anything that has a has has a positive outcome also has some negative uh, naysayers along the way. Uh, that's anything. That's 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 you know whether you're successful in any field of endeavor or you know a movement of sorts. It's always going to be some t- some type of negativity and some type of naysayers. But the key is to be able to push through that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question, just as it pertains to um, women in entertainment and comedy how is it for women in comedy from your perspective you know is is it a a tougher road to climb or you know what what do you see there um i don't know i i mean i know before this era here it was a difficult journey it wasn't as many women 
um, actually getting up on stage and doing comedy. And then there wasn't as many women getting up on stage and doing comedy as good as the boys. Um, So I think that this era is a unique era because it presents something a little bit different. Um, I, I, I have a lot of female comics that I like. I mean, I'm, I mean, I love, you know, it's a lot of female comics that I like right now. Um, and they are doing their thing and are, are funny as the boys. Um, so mm-hmm. I think that this era presents to something that's a little bit different um, yeah. for females in comedy. And I think that they're getting their just due, if you may. Um, mm-hmm. Because it, it's a lot of women that are kind of rising to that to that area where, where, the, where the boys are. I mean, look at Tiffany Haddish. Tiffany's, she's... Yeah. She's in a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. She's, you know, she's that, the it girl on the side of, she's like a Kevin Hart, but for, for women. Um, I was going to say, she kind of is like the Kevin Hart, from, even from a marketing standpoint. You yeah, know, she's everywhere. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. I mean, so I think that, I think that it, it has gotten better where you may, may have only been able to name four female comics and they were all on the Queens of Comedy. You know right. what I mean? Um, where now, I mean, you could think, I, I know I can think of five on one hand and they don't have any connection to one another at all. Never yeah, have done yeah. a show together. You know what I mean? Um, right. So I just, I just think that it's a, we're in a different space. I think that women are a little bit more open to hearing women and women's perspectives on stage. Um, and men are a little bit more open to hearing women and women's perspectives on stage. So I think that it's, uh, I think it's a unique time uh, for women in comedy. I do. I personally you know, you know who surprised me, and I and, and her name escapes me. I did, if I'd known I was going to say her name, I would have looked it up in, in advance. Um, but she, um, Molly on Insecure, um, she did it. Um, yes, she did it. I just saw her special. Oh, damn. I was, I didn't, I didn't, the girl from Africa. Yep, I did yeah. not know she was funny. And, and t- oh, she's, she's dope, she's dope, oh, she's funny. She's, yes. Yeah, she, and, she's extremely funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I, so yeah, again, you know, just, I, I just had no idea. I, I just thought, you know, you see her role, you see her, how she is on the show. And then sometimes we just think that's how they are. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you think that that's who they are in person. You yeah. Somebody's person persona on TV. You think that they, that's who they are, but that's not yeah. at all who they are, but she was funny. Yeah, she was hilarious. And um, so, so we have to take another break. Um, when we come back, we're going to wrap it up, but I do have an, a question for you about um, Netflix, but I want to hear uh, about your what you got going on as well. So stay with us, everybody. Yvonne or- Audrey. 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 Yes, Yvonne Orgy. Yes. Audrey. Yes. Check her out if y'all haven't checked her out. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the live exchange. I'm Dr. Pamela, and um, I am joined by Rob Gordon, and uh, we're, we're just we're talking about um, entertainment and, and what it means to be black in entertainment. Um, one of the questions that the last thing that I wanted to ask you, because, you know, the entertainment is- industry, I mean, it's come a long way. There's been a lot of misrepresentation or underrepresentation of black people in entertainment. Um, and we've, we've had some improvements for sure. Um, but of course, we there's still work to be done. Um, I, I just saw a, an article the other day that asked the question, why are the daughters and the wives on black sitcoms tend to be cast um, as biracial women instead of like, 100% like all black women, you know, I shouldn't say it like that, you know, but, but why is there a certain, you know, uh, angle that, that we need to portray because the black, the, the, the fathers and the sons tend to be black, um, 
and then the, the the daughters and the mothers tend to be biracial. That's just an example. But my question to you is looking at um, Netflix, Hulu, all of these um, independent distributors of film and so forth. Does these do these create more opportunities for Black people to create and 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 have their stuff put out there and represented by us? Before just this time right here is just unique because. Before it had to be, everything had to go through a studio, right? So everything had to be produced by a studio and go through a studio. It had to, you had to work your way up or the studio had to see you as valuable, right? Now we're in a different time where you could be an independent Tyler Perry um, and kind of create your way into being a major studio because content is king right now. Um, right. You know, the, the more content that you create, the different ways that you create content um, gives you the opportunity to be a king and a kingmaker. So um, I think that now is a, a very unique time with all of the streaming platforms from Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, uh, Quibi. Uh, I mean, the list go Disney. It's so many. It's so many different types of platforms that you can actually yeah. create and go through and generate income on top of. The networks. I mean, you still got you got streaming, and then you still have network. I mean, network TV is still a thing, so yeah. networks still have budgets. I mean, now these budgets, I don't know where they are. You know, as far as the numbers are concerned, I mean, I know that those budgets used to be crazy, but even if they're not a, a million dollars an episode budget, I mean, still two hundred fifty thousand dollars an episode is still a that's still a a, a good size budget. So, um, content <laughs> is king. You know, right yeah. Now. So it, you have to have an um, exclusivity or does it, does it depend on the contact, contract? Um, like if you go with Netflix, can you also have an air on Hulu or are they looking for exclusivity? Um, it just depends on the, the you, you know, contractual obligations. Of course, okay. you know, you're talking about now. That's this is a little yeah, touch and go. But but okay. what I will say is it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all in your contractual obligations. Like if you get contractually obligated to Netflix for a certain specific thing then you have to do that yeah. thing for Netflix. Now, if okay. you license, see, licensing is different. So if you take something that you've created on your own with your own dollars, and then you take that product and you take it to Netflix and say, hey, I want a licensing deal for this product for this amount of time, then you license it to them. You can go license it then to Hulu. You can then go license it to HBO. And, then, and that's how licensing deals work. So you can take that one product and go to different places. Now, what... what happens is they'll make you sign an exclusive deal where you know you exclusively create content for whoever mm -hmm. and then it. that's a little bit different but um you know it's it's, it's all in your negotiations it's all in yeah. how, how good your lawyer is <laughs> <laughs> this is true i can see that <laughs> right. well i, I want to give you an opportunity to to just give us how to reach you, how to follow what you're doing, um, as well as what you have coming up on Netflix as we wrap up. Sure. Um, you guys can follow me on my social media at it's ITS Rob Gordon. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate you guys for popping that up there. Um, and that's where you're going to find me. I mean, uh, I'm on YouTube, Facebook, all of those other things, but this is primarily the platform where I, I kind of do a lot of my daily dealings as, as they say. Um, wow. So find me on there, or you can find me on Amazon, uh, Problematic, uh, Rob Gordon. You type it in your search bar. You can get me there, too. I got a special out on Amazon and all streaming platforms, Google Play, iTunes, all those different things. Hit me up. I talk back. 
and let's let's stay in the loop, shall we? All right. Yes, definitely check out that stand-up special, Problematic. Um, I'm I'm definitely gonna check it out myself. I'm Please do. and i will share 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 like crazy uh thank you so much rob for joining us today Uh, i mean yeah i appreciate your perspective this is really important laughter is healing thank you for being a healer out there in the world for us we need you and we appreciate you thank you doc thank you for having me i appreciate y'all for having me the conversation was amazing um we got a lot i got a lot off my chest you asked a lot of questions i hope somebody got something out of it Yes, good. I, I know I did. I know I did. So I, I really appreciate that. And and I want to thank all of you for tuning in to the live exchange every week where we discuss humanity, um, intellect and change every single week from 11 to 1 right here. Join us next week. This is going to be a post-election show, y'all. So I have no idea what kind of mood I'm going to be in next week. But whoo! Woo. We're going to need you, Rob. We're going to need you. I'll be here. I'll be here. I'll be here for sure. For sure, I'll be here. Next week, we'll be looking. We'll, we'll have some women on the show in politics. So uh, they're going to give us their take on how the election went. So definitely join us. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, thank you again, Rob. We will see you all next week. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>